0: Welcome to Sworn Testimonies. My name is Kiara, and this is the podcast where we promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Today on the podcast, I have a very special guest, Desi Williams. Desi and I go way back. We competed in pageants together. She is a former Miss Virginia. She's also a doctor of physical therapy, a reality star, an actress, a host, all of the things. We have a great conversation surrounding the politics of black beauty. Stay tuned. Just be honest. just be honest. just be honest. just be honest. <nächste> just, honest. <pernahMiC1> just, be honest. just be honest. just be honest. just be honest. just be real just be true it's, 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 it's the only way to be free just be honest. just the only way to be just be real just be true it's the only way to be just be free just be honest just be, be honest. Okay, welcome to Sworn Testimonies, the podcast where I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I have a very special guest with me today. Um, do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them just a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: <laughs> okay, I'm Desi Williams. I'm a doctor of physical therapy. I'm also a certified yoga instructor. Um I'm a Reiki One practitioner, and I went to school also to be a health and PE teacher. I don't know if you even knew that about me. So that's sort of my like credentials. But in addition to that, I do some acting. I do some hosting. I'm currently working on starting a home health company, which is a whole different headache and endeavor and exciting opportunity. So that's, I think, pretty much sums up who I am and what I do.
0: And I'm going to go ahead and add um, former Miss Virginia and author. Your list just goes on and on and on.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess I don't include those because I'm like, uh, I no longer am on a reality show and no longer could compete in a pageant. But
0: shall we tell the people how we met?
1: Sure. When was the first time we met? Was it at an appearance or was it at a pageant? I can't remember.
0: I think um, I won Miss Chesterfield. I think you were at that pageant, like that first. I was at that, I... that
1: pageant because I remember people being like, "There's a girl competing in this pageant that really looks like you. You should go. You should go see it." And I got there, and I was like, "Okay, she's black." Um, But other than that, like we look nothing alike. I guess we have the same last name.
0: We're Black. We're both last name Williams. We're both born in June. So that's just enough for people to be like, you guys are basically the same person. You're basically
1: the same person, right? And you're both educated. I guess that's the other thing that like set us apart from a lot of pageant girls. They're like, and you both have really good education.
0: Uh, That's a whole thing. Um, So, you know, I'm writing this book, Therapy Isn't Just for White People. And I actually have like a whole. A section of one of my chapters where I talk about my experience competing um, and how whitewashed that experience was for me and I didn't know it at the time like I had no idea but even just looking back like I always had my hair straight I always had a long weave like I don't even know that the pad like the crown fits well on like a bald head or like a big afro you know what I mean
1: uh, for sure yeah
0: yeah it's actually really refreshing to see
1: I was actually scrolling Instagram before we talked and Miss DC USA like she was having her um like send-off party for Miss USA and she's wearing like a little fro bun and I just never in a million years would have been bold enough to do like never never even would have crossed my mind to compete with my hair in its natural state so it's refreshing to see but also it's like dang I wish I had those kind of balls because I don't I didn't
0: I mean, we were also competing in Virginia, which is a more conservative state. Um, And we both did USA and America. People probably don't know the difference between pageant systems. They're just pageant systems. We competed in pageants. Um, Right, right. I know a lot of people ask me questions, like, to to them, Miss America and, like, Toddlers and Tierra is, like, the same thing. Like, if you were... Yeah, they're
1: all identical. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny, too. Like, being at home, like, people would be like, oh, you did pageants. That's so cool. But here in LA, like, I'm hanging out with people that, like, have won Emmys and, like, done all this other stuff. Like, nobody cares about...
1: Nobody cares. Um, yeah. I'm like, don't even... When somebody brings it up, I'm like, you don't have to tell them that. There's a <laughs> Grammy sitting on the table. Like... <laughs> please don't tell them about my passion experience
0: that part. <laughs>
1: they might yeah. ask me to play the piano
0: <laughs> have you played and that's my the biggest piano? fear in
1: life would you say
0: have you played the piano since you stopped competing
1: no yeah not once and I have patients who are like oh you used to play the piano I've got a Steinway over there and I'm like mm, I'm good I'm good After Miss America, I retired and I never turned back. So I'm good.
0: I feel you on that. Um, Yeah. So it's so interesting thinking about just like pageants now being in our 30s and real adults and, you know, obviously in the midst of like politics and all this racial injustice that we've seen um, and trying to like reconcile our experiences and our choices with like who we are and what we believe. Um, And, you know, there are a lot of, obviously in the media, there are lots of things you could say about pageants that, you know, people, and people do say um, that, you know, I think maybe even fair criticisms of pageantry, but on the other side, I met so many dope women, including you. Um, We were just talking about another mutual friend, Nancy, who I love very much, former Miss Virginia, um, who's been Mm -hmm. kind of like a word to me with my writing and so much good came out of that as well. Um, But I do want to talk a little bit about like the, I guess like the beauty politics of competing, especially you coming from an HBCU and having been like a black beauty queen and then like transitioning into this like very white organization. Um, what was the difference for you? I don't know if we ever talked about that. Like like competing against other black women first, like competing in the Miss America system. Like what was that difference like? <sighs>
1: You you know, I think the biggest difference, and this is going to sound crazy, but at a school like Hampton, when you're select, like, because they sort of have a narrowed down process for the pageant and they have all this criteria that you have to meet GPA wise, etc. And just Hampton being the caliber of university that it is. I feel (laughs) this is going to sound awful for most pageant girls, but I feel like in the Miss Hampton pageant, I very much had to like bring my intelligence up a level. Do you know what that means? Where, do you know what I mean? Whereas in Miss Virginia and especially Miss Virginia USA, I constantly was being told to like tone the vocabulary back a little bit, be a little bit more like relatable is their favorite term, be a little bit more relatable, which means like talk to people like they're in third grade. Don't use all these SAT words that you know that you use in your everyday life. Like use short words that everybody knows. So that was really the biggest change for me was like, how do I completely change my vocabulary to make myself quote unquote relatable, which really to me is quote unquote, like that's dumbing myself down. You're make, I'm, I'm making myself a dumber person so that I can have this insignificant conversation with you. So that was the biggest challenge because I will say even, I mean, Hampton has its own, you know, issues and stereotypes as to what the standard of beauty is that has changed over time but when I was at Hampton I still knew that at the Miss Hampton pageant I was going to compete with straight hair because if I was a brown-skinned girl which wasn't very common for Miss Hampton back then if I was a brown-skinned girl who went on stage with an afro there was no way I was going to be selected because even in the realm of an HBCU that wasn't seen as the standard of beauty to be quite honest And this was 10 years ago, too. So there's some perspective.
0: No, those are both incredible points. Um, The first one you made about dumbing yourself down, the year before you competed, I think I just randomly, I don't know, I think I had like an email or something about you should like do Virginia USA. And I was like, sure, that sounds like fun. Um, when I was like second year of law school or something like that. I didn't know. I still didn't know very much about pageants. I still feel like I don't know a lot. I feel like I like jumped in, played for a little bit and jumped out the pool. Um, but my <laughs> year, I didn't know anything and I competed. I somehow made top five. I don't, I still don't know how my dress was. Now that I understand pageant dresses, I literally wore like an old prom dress. Like I did it. I was just out the loop, you know, like, I didn't, <laughs> like, like people were getting like custom dresses and like anything, um, girl yeah. yes that
1: first year I was like y'all did you spent <laughs> what you did who
0: yeah I was just so I was just so fresh and um, but it, whatever it worked that first year and I remember my on-stage question I don't remember what it was but I said something about the bipartisan political system and I got a standing ovation when I answered my question and I was like oh I answered that really well uh, but I remember talking to um, <laughs> one of the people involved with the pageant afterwards and she was like no one understood what you were saying. Like, those judges don't want to hear you use those big, fancy words. Like, what does that even mean? And I was like... Like, really-
1: bipartisan? Bipartisan? That's not even a big word.
0: I was, like, so, I think, taken aback. Um, and I I wonder, like, I, I really haven't had the conversation with, um, like people who have been in that position, like white people who have been in that position. Um, Actually, that's not true. I I talked to Laura, who also was a lawyer, and um, she was told to like dumb it down as well. Um, But I just wonder sometimes too, like whether being a Black woman um, and being someone who's educated and being like, look, I can wear a dress and be pretty and walk on stage, whether it's whether it hurts you or helps you. And as you mentioned, being a brown skin woman as well, because I think sometimes what we think of as like impressive and we should be proud of our accomplishments, other people see as like either intimidation or you think you're better than me.
1: Yeah, even, I mean, and I would go as far to say as with wardrobe selection. I remember having multiple conversations about wardrobe or evening gown. And at Miss USA, I wore a red gown. And I knew going in, like, if I win Miss Virginia USA and I'm competing at Miss USA, I want a red gown. Red or yellow. But mostly red. Red's my favorite color. Always has been. And I had to argue that point so Much With so many people, not just one. I can't even pin it on one person, but with multiple people, because there was this perception that if you're this strong, intelligent black woman wearing red, people are going to be intimidated, Mm. which is crazy. I'm like, it's just the color of a dress. But everybody wanted me to wear white because white was a soft, a white flowing dress because it was softer and more approachable and made me look angelic and sweet And I'm like, I mean, I'm a nice girl, but like sweet is not really how anybody would describe me. Let's just be honest. So I'm not like, I'm not going to go and wear this dress that in no way portrays who I am. I'm going to wear this red dress and I wore my red dress. But yeah, even toward from hair to skin tone to wardrobe. There, yeah, there are so many things that I think that we have to consider that a white person would be like, what are you even talking about?
0: A hundred percent. And, um. To your other point, too, about, you know, even colorism that exists within the Black community, uh, if there is a difference between being a, Darker or brown skin girl with more black features, or being someone who's like very mixed and ambiguous, and in quotation marks, what so people like to say, exotic. And you know, I was yeah. uh, thinking or doing some research on Miss America organizations. I was uh, writing my book and just going back and you know reading about Vanessa Williams and how she was the first to win. But and I love Vanessa. I think she's beautiful human being. Uh, but we also have to recognize that like she was very a passing black girl like her hair yeah. looks like it, she fit in with the other white girls her eye color her she fit in to be honest with all the pageant uh tanning and stuff she was darker than some of the other or she was lighter than some of lighter the other
1: yeah yeah
0: <laughs> um we're on stage and just how that kind of even just plays into in just like a second layer of consideration like i'm not just black but like i like i'm the type of black where you look at me and you can't forget that i'm black You know,
1: right, right. You can't be like, oh, she could be Hispanic. Like, no, she black. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, There's a funny thing to Well, It's just funny that you said like exotic or ethnically ambiguous, because I can remember when I was competing at Miss USA, we all had like a takeover day on Instagram. And I remember every single day, one of the questions somebody would send the girls, what ethnicity are you? And all these white girls, blonde hair, blue eye would be like, I'm Italian and I don't know. in German, like they would find some combination to make them seem exotic. And I'm like, you're white, like you're white. And so my mom and I had a joke about it. So when my day came, somebody asked me the question as people always do. And so I like pic- took a picture and wrote like, I'm black. That's it. And I sent it to my mom and I was like, is this okay to post? And she was like, girl, don't post that. <laughs> like if you want to win Miss USA, please don't post that. So I didn't post it, but it's like, why Why are you trying to make yourself exotic? You're not. you white. white. Yeah, in the world, you know, as white.
0: That's a whole nother layer. Like, there's white guilt, you know? And that, like, yeah. people don't want to be white. It's like they want the privilege of being white deep down, but they also don't want the guilt that it comes with, you know? It's like when yeah. people in a relationship with a dude and he, like, want to have sex with you, but, like, he's not trying to, like do all the boyfriend stuff, like buy you nice things and spend time with you and hold your hand at public. Like it, they kind of like go together, like you can't claim your whiteness when it's comfortable. When it's
1: convenient. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Be exotic when you feel like it's going to benefit you. Cause that just feels doubly unfair.
1: Yeah. Exactly. It was just like a. It was just so interesting that people were doing that. But to the also to the point of colorism. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place. I'm really bad at keeping one train of thought. And when I'm having conversations like this, but I do remember the year I won Miss Virginia. I did wear a white gown that year, and I was specifically told not to spend any time in the sun leading up to the pageant. They were like, "Your skin, your skin tone is perfect right now." But if you get any darker, it's going to be too much of a contrast with that white dress and it's going to be looked at negatively and, you, and like you're still beautiful to us, but we're pretty sure if you get any darker, you won't win the pageant. So I did not spend any time in the summer in the sun up until the pageant uh,
0: and see, they were right.
1: I won, but like
0: that, it's like just that. crazy that it's not always yeah. bad advice. I think sometimes people are giving you advice because they unfortunately know the way the world works but it's still sad you know
1: it's yeah it's still unfortunate for sure for sure but again that's something that you and I might have to think about that somebody who's white competing in a pageant it would never even cross their mind they're like I'm gonna spend as much time in the sun as possible to get a tan <laughs> and then spray tan on top of that
0: that part I um I got a spray tan once like before miss um before something in that two years that i competed why because everybody else was doing it and i was like well i should just do that too so that my skin looks all glowy and whatever the reason that you get a tan but now when i look back like i'm like embarrassed to tell people that I was like you're black you spend money
1: no girl i got a spray tan and i still stand by a spray tan okay if i had especially if somebody invited me to the emmys tomorrow i would still get a spray tan because i do think it does give you a more even glow I will say that my skin was beautiful, and I would do it again.
0: I'm um, listen. I'm not mad at that feminism. Everyone <laughs> makes their own choices. I feel like at this point, I'm not spending no extra money on being more black or better. My skin popping just when I wake up. That's how I've, I've been feeling. True. Like- true. True. Um, all that to say, um, I I wanted to delve in and talk a little bit more specifically about hair too. You wrote a book about hair. Can you tell us what the book was called and what it was about?
1: Sure, the book is called "Love Affair with My Hair: Why Black Women Cheat on Health," and I actually co-wrote it with uh, another author. But actually, she and I met during my year as Miss Virginia. We were both speaking at a conference, and both of our messages were so similar that we struck up a friendship and decided to write this book. Um, But again, my background is in health and physical education. So I know all too well all of the health disparities that arise and, and that continue to be pervasive in the Black community, all based upon the fact that we don't want to sweat our hair out. And I'm guilty of it too. I got my hair done last week and girl, I'd worked out for the first time yesterday. So I'm guilty of it too (laughs) in some regards. Um, But I just hate that that's what's ultimately leading to early death. And we see kids who are obese because their parents aren't, aren't fit. Their parents aren't working out. Their parents aren't active. So naturally, they're just not... They're just not born or raised to be active either. And so it's become this sort of generational curse within the black community. So we wanted to provide a book that not only provides an outline of the historical context as to why black hair is so important to the black woman, but also provides a solution to it. So at the end of the book, there's a 12-week workout program that's systematically created around a woman's once-weekly hair appointment so that the workouts get progressively harder and sweatier as you get closer to your hair appointment. So it eliminates that excuse of, I can't work out because I want to sweat out my hair because here we have outlined workouts where you won't even sweat, but you're still going to get your heart rate up and manage to reduce your risk of diabetes, heart disease, etc., etc., cetera. Et cetera.
0: Um, Number one, maybe I'm biased, but I just think all of that is genius. Um, I I love that you wrote that book. Um, I love that that's a message that you have for black women because I do feel like, you know, and again, I'm guilty of it. Like I got my hair up right now because I was planning to work out today and I was like, I plan when I'm going to do my hair. Based upon like when I'm going to work out, you know, Um, and sometimes I ask myself, like, why do I care so much what my hair looks like? Like it's COVID like you're at home. But on the other side, I do know that like people are very hard, not just on black women, but in women in general. Like for a man to like on a Zoom call and look professional, it's like maybe you had to shave, you know, or wash your face and put on a clean shirt. But for women, it's like first of all, doing hair takes forever, especially forever. if you've got like coarse hair. It's it takes a long time, and then they want your skin to be popping, your nails to be done, your eyebrows to be on point, your makeup to be on. Like that's a couple hours worth of work to put in. Um, it's but exhausting. I want to be yeah, it's exhausting. Like I want to be taken seriously. Like I don't want to get on a call and someone be like, "Oh, she looks unprofessional." Uh, but or until you call-
1: look sick. That's my favorite. Are you feeling okay? Uh,
0: Right. Yes. I just don't have
1: foundation on. Get out of my face.
0: Yeah. Like I just like went for a walk. Like I'm um, great. Um, so, you know, there are definitely a lot of considerations there. So for you, like in your particular journey with, you know, being a black woman and your hair, have you always straightened your hair? Was there ever a time when you wore your natural hair? Like what has that journey been like for you?
1: Yeah. So I'm, I would say, to, especially during COVID, I mostly wear my natural hair. I got my hair flat iron for the first time in probably nine months last week. So I have been mostly wearing my natural hair, which obviously is much easier when you're working out. Um, But even I used to keep my hair straightened all the time. And so I sort of came up, which we outline in in the book as well, like a little routine that I do to keep my edges laid and a series of hairstyles that I do so that I can preserve my straightened hair. So I have mostly worn my hair Straightened throughout my life I had a relaxer very young that was a bad idea my hair felt loud it was the whole thing so my hair is natural I don't have a relaxer but up until I'd say the past year I pretty regularly kept it flat ironed um so I don't know if that answers your question I don't know what else you want to know about my hair journey
0: yeah I will have so many questions hair politics um do you feel like when you have your hair straight, like, do you feel more attractive slash do men respond to you differently?
1: Yeah, for for sure. So luckily, I, I mean, I have a great supportive boyfriend now and he likes my hair in any state. At least that's what he says until I have it straight. And he's like, oh, your hair looks so nice. And I'm like, oh, I thought you liked when I had it not straight for the past nine months. I thought you liked that too. So I will say he, he doesn't say anything when it's not straightened. And he says he likes versatility, so I appreciate that about him. But I can remember this was probably about a year and a half. I was just casually dating this white British guy. And we went to some basketball game. And there was actually a white girl sitting in front of us wearing her hair curly. And she had, like, gel in her hair, as we do when we wear our hair curly. But he had never seen my hair curly so he was like, uh, that just looks so like retro. Like it just looks crunchy and not soft at all. And I was like, it's just curly. She's just wearing her hair curly. He's like, I don't know. You would never wear your hair like that, would you? <laughs> I'm like, actually, it was like that yesterday before I flat ironed my hair to go on this date. But now that I know that you won't accept me with my curly, crunchy hair, this can be our last date. So I do feel like depending upon people's backgrounds, they definitely have different reactions to straight hair. But I I do still live in a world where I was told growing up by my peers, because I grew up mostly around white people, that I was more beautiful when my hair was straightened and when it was straightened well and flowing in the wind and, you know, I had quote unquote good hair. So I still personally reckon with, am reckoning with some of those demons where I'm like, am I still sexy if my hair's not straight? Once I start to sweat out my roots, is everybody staring at them. So I, I have those personal struggles internally, but I'm no longer at the point of letting that cripple me because beauty no longer defines my career in a way that it once did.
0: Now that's so, 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 so relatable. Um, I went on a random date with this white guy too, that my friend thought was a good idea. And the thing (laughs) that he was saying about, like, he's like, you know, first of all, he started about talking about, he would never date a Japanese or a Jewish person. Um, because Japanese people aren't sexual enough and Jewish people are too religious. So that's how it started. And I was like, oh, we, our values aren't aligned. So this isn't going to go well.
1: This is never going to work, but just keep talking. This is like a social experiment at this point. Yeah. You know?
0: And it was a free meal and my, my um, omelet was so good. So I was like, let me just <laughs> sit here and listen. Um, so I was, you know, just letting him talk. And he was just talking about how black women, like, We have attitudes and, you know, we're confident, but he likes attitudes and just all these stereotypes about black girls are so sexual and he likes that. And I'm just like eating and listening to him. And I'm like, mind you, again, in my head, I was like, oh, this is the last time we're ever going to see each other. Uh, But he told our mutual friend he thought the date went great. And I was like, sometimes they're just so unaware of how the things they say, um, you know, the things they say can be like very hurtful or just because we've grown up Black in America, it can also be very triggering, you know? Right. And and I was like, I think some of the things he was trying to say to me, too, were, like, compliments because I had my hair straight at the time. And he was like, yeah, like, you look so much more polished than a lot of other Black women. And I'm like, but what does that mean? Like, that's not a compliment. What does that
1: mean? Right.
0: Yeah. I don't look like this when I get out the shower. Um, Right. I did
1: not wake up like this. You should know that, Yeah.
0: (laughs) it's all very, um, very complex and like very nuanced. And I still love wearing my hair straight. Like I enjoy, I enjoy every style braids, curly Afro, all of it. But there is this subtle feeling sometimes if my hair is natural and I'm getting dressed up that I feel like I'm not ready yet. I like, I'm like, okay, this, this, I have my hair on my head, but like the, from, you know, my neck down or whatever, my makeup's down, everything else is done. And my hair still's feels undone because it's natural yeah. and i'm to, like break that in myself you know like natural yeah no cool. i
1: totally get it i have that struggle too i'm like can i go to the club with this hair yeah.
0: or are people gonna be yeah. like
1: why she just roll out the bed and come in the slope
0: it feels good at the beach it feels good in my pajamas it feels good in like a t-shirt watching tv maybe lunch with friends but if i'm going out at night or like to an event or i have to get cute for a photo shoot I'm like natural that's not ready right yeah
1: no um, I feel you on that and I still have that struggle and I hate to admit that because I want to be like I embrace every part of my blackness but the reality is I grew up around a bunch of white people and if I showed up around them without my hair done like they would talk about me for sure
0: for sure so growing up too, cause I think we had probably you, I lived in Georgia for a little bit. I know you grew up in Georgia and then I lived in Virginia for a while and you lived in Virginia. So I think we have a lot of like crossover. Now we're both in LA, um, <laughs> uh, growing up for you. Do you still find yourself, um, like maybe thinking about comments that like people made when you were a kid or like things that you heard, like, do you still find yourself like going back to those moments now as an adult?
1: Less so now, I would say more so when I, more so when I was less secure slash younger, because at this point I'm 31, like, I don't even, my memory just doesn't even stretch back that far at this point. Growing up, I will say I never looked in the mirror and thought, wow, I'm beautiful. Never. Didn't cross my mind. Didn't think I was. I'd hear from friends like, oh, you're really pretty for a black girl, you know, how people give you a compliment. Like, there's always that little caveat for a black girl. So I never grew up thinking I was beautiful. I was like, eh, I'm attractive enough. Like, but I would have never before college competed in a pageant because I just didn't look in the mirror and think like, oh, I could be a beauty queen. It never crossed my mind because in my head, I'm pretty for a black girl. But if I'm standing next to a white girl, nobody's looking twice at me. So in that regard, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That that really shaped the way I viewed myself through probably senior year of college until I won the Miss Hampton pageant. People are like, oh, my God, who is this girl? And I was like, oh, my God, checking for me. And, and so that's sort of when my whole mindset changed was through the world of pageants. But prior to that, I was just, just OK and just, you know, pretty for a black girl.
0: Mm, I think that's also, I think that's a beautiful thing on the other side of like the dark side of pageantry um, is that it is really empowering if you allow it to be, you know, I do think like, like anything else, fire, you can use it to burn down a a neighborhood or you can use it to warm up your family. Um, Obviously you could compete and do it in a very unhealthy way. But I think that there are a lot of ways where it is really nice to just in a world of, you know, being a black girl where people aren't always checking for you or telling you how beautiful you are or to stand on stage and have people kind of like validate that beauty or like make you feel like you matter and you deserve to take up space. And this is like your little piece of the world to take up. Like that feels really good, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. It, It absolutely gave me a platform and built my confidence in a way that nothing ever had up until that point. And I think for me, that's the biggest difference between like a toddler's and tiara's in a Miss America. Because before, I, I think I started competing at the perfect age. I was 21 in my first pageant. I already had a good sense of who I was and what I represented and what I w- was willing to stand for and not stand for. Um, and I'll say that's another place where I got really lucky in pageants is I had really great pageant directors that were became like family to me and were very nurturing before they were nitpicky. So everything I knew was coming from a place of love.
0: It's so important to feel that way. I mean, in any relationship, if somebody's giving you feedback or criticism and you don't feel love in that space, then you're not going to receive it well. Um, so, Ooh,
1: girl, that is a word, okay? In any relationship, because we've all been there.
0: A hundred. Yeah. Um, what were you going to say? And What?
1: I was going to say, like, even romantic relationships, yeah, it's so important that, like, I think it's important for a partner to be honest and to be open and to, for you guys to have the comfortability with each other to give that sort of positive reinforcement, feedback, constructive criticism, but always from a place of love. And I think sometimes those two get confused. Like, is this love or is this just control?
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I think a lot of people, I read it somewhere recently, Like, or no, maybe I was watching TV, Lovecraft County, where they said they, uh, a lot of people confuse like love and possession. And I was like, Mm. so true because ideally love is the opposite of possession. Like you're freely giving somebody, you know, the space to be all of who they are and accepting them. But a lot of times it turns into like, I want you to do this. I want you to act like this. I want you to be like this. I want you to look like this, Um, which is scary.
1: It is scary. Amen. Girl, that love crab country was too much for me. I couldn't, it's, I didn't make it. it
0: was, <laughs> I couldn't it was, make it. I, I love all the crazy stuff. I love like, it was like a mixture of like horror and drama, but like black people and like, monsters and yeah I love all that weird stuff
1: yeah I liked it at first and I was like this is just getting a little too bizarre but maybe I'll go back and try to finish it just (laughs) for the culture
0: for the culture um (laughs) speaking of romantic relationships we talked a little bit about like dating and hair and um you know kind of how you saw yourself and how you feel like men view you Um, was there ever a time where you like considered being seriously in in an interracial relationship? Or like was the first that guy that you were talking about, the white guy, was he like the first white guy that you dated? Or what or what role does race play in your like dating consideration?
1: So I won't say that I've ever been like, I will not date a white guy. I was very open to it. Um I would say like the furthest I got in a relationship with a guy that wasn't white was a guy who was Cuban. So, still like some form of ethnic background. But I think it's tough. I sort of explain like, I just watch even th- my favorite place to watch white men operate at their finest is the bar or a beach. And I'm just like, this, I just can't relate to the white boy joy that they feel. Like, I was at the beach and there were these guys playing beer pong with giant paint containers, like, that's the kind of beer pong openly drinking they were doing on the beach. I would never, I was nervous just watching them. But of course the cops came over and they threw a ball into their little beer beer pong thing and joined in their game. But that's a level of white boy joy that I can't relate to. And my biggest fear, truthfully, with marrying a white man is like, are you so oblivious to the world in which we live in with this white boy joy in which you operate? That if we were to have offspring... You would teach them to operate in the same way, and that could in turn be fatal for them. And I think that's, I mean, that's like an awful image to have, but that's always been my fear. If I see someone who's just a little too free in the way in which they operate, I'm like, this is not a practical way for a Black man to live if he wants to continue to live. So it's a very fine line where he would have to be very self-aware um, and very culturally aware for I think it to work, but I'm not against it. I'm open to it. But
0: I love that you said that. I definitely think for me, like self awareness and cultural awareness are extremely high on my values list. Um, and so that is like a for like that consideration is at the forefront. Um, so I don't care what color you are if you're not self aware or culturally aware it's probably just never, ever going to work. Um, And unfortunately, like I mentioned, the guy that I was set up on, on that weird blind date thing. (laughs) um, And then even like coworkers I've had where I'd say something like, oh, you know, that sounds a little racist. Do you think you might have some unconscious bias? And they're like, what's that? And I'm like, you've never heard of that before? Like, it's so hard Mm. for me to even imagine having a partner like that because of those are considerations that again as a black woman i have to make every single day um just to make sure right and i
1: don't want to have to explain it to you every time
0: because that's just exhausting so at that point i'm like it's not a consideration about skin color this is about my energy and like where do i want to put it you know
1: and to the point where and my boyfriend will probably get mad that i'm even bringing this up so my boyfriend is mixed his mom is white his dad is black Most of his friends are Black, so he still operates in that mindset, but he's born and raised in LA. So particularly this year with so much racial turmoil happening in the world, I have brought up conversations, or we've just had conversations around race that I feel like he even doesn't relate to. He's like, I mean, I just don't think he has experienced the same level of blatant racism that I have in life. Because I did grow up in the South, in a community where I was you know often most of the time the only black girl in the class and kids will say whatever they want to say so he's not even white and we still have to i still feel like there are times when i'm explaining to him like no this is what has happened to me this is blatant racism it's continuing to happen just trust me so i can only imagine taking that a step further to someone who has truly never experienced any type of prejudice because of their skin color
0: yeah, or having like that. I hate being gaslighted. Gaslit. Mm, what's the word? I don't know. Yeah, it? yeah.
1: Gaslit. Right? Yeah.
0: Um, when you know that you've experienced something racist, um, but people will try to make other considerations. Like I. Actually talked about it in my last podcast, so I'm clearly still processing through it. Uh, but a job that I worked where there was a white man who was younger than me and had much less experience was making way more money. When I'm talking, like not even close. Um, and wow, when I think about that, like it just makes me mad because I'm like I went and I'm not even a person that like rank schools. Like I don't care, but just like, if we're talking about merits, like I went to a better school, I have more experience. I'm older. I'm, but you're making a lot more money and people will try to chalk it up to so many different things. And I'm like, no, trust me. That's not what this is. Like, I know I've, I've been black my entire life. I can spot the difference between Usually, I'm not perfect, but you usually know when there's a racial consideration.
1: A right. times, this isn't an oversight. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's a lot of times it's, um, it's unconscious, right? Like people are subconscious, like people don't even realize that they're doing it. They just, you know, because when we asked, you know, my, I had another co-worker ask my boss, like, well, why is he making so much more money? His response was he brings more value. But what does value mean? You know, and what? I don't think that they would consider themselves a racist person. Like they voted for Obama. Uh, but even, right. you know, being on they've the got other-
1: black friends. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Uh, but being on the other side of the fence, where like I'm part of the conversations now where we're hiring, just the standards that they would hold like white people to first black people completely different black people even when i interviewed i went through three rounds of interviews and had to do like an assessment this white dude they hired didn't interview with anybody he just had a conversation with my boss and they were like oh <gasps> i worked with him before i know his work ethic we're gonna bring him on board <sighs> like the oh no you no know, and so like stuff like that when people try to tell you like racism isn't real or when people are like oh why are you so angry i'm like how am i supposed to operate every single day working working across on this person and and sitting in meetings and not think about it. Like it's a privilege to not be able to think about stuff like that.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I'm grateful where people are more open to having those conversations, but it's like until actual change happens, like y'all just run in your mouth. This is just hot air being blown, but
0: uh, um, one day at a
1: time, one day at a
0: time. Um, so my, uh, my closing question for you, um, in this conversation, um, just thinking about your, who you are now and who you are as a kid, what do you wish that you could go back and tell like little baby Desi to like better prepare her for this world that you've grown up in?
1: Phew. That's tough. Oh, that's so tough. Because there's so much, right? But then kids are so impressionable. It's like you don't want to tell them the wrong thing. And then because you know how kids, you know how we do as kids. Like you could warp even a compliment into like creating some kind of complex that's going to affect you and be a demon for the rest of your life. So I'm like, I want to tell her she's beautiful, but like that could create a complex in and of itself. Um, um And I think so much of what I – so I was very aware of my race always. There was never a point in life where I was like, oh, we, I'm just more tan than you. Like, I was never one of those girls. <laughs> like, I was very aware, and my parents made me very aware of my race. And you can't act like these other people act because you are black and they view you differently. So I was always very aware of that. Um, But if anything, I guess I just wish I would have – understood my capabilities earlier. Um because I don't know that I ever like I grew up being in gifted you know in the gifted classes and doing really well in school. But there was always this sort of narrative that like, oh, you're a r- really smart black girl. Wow, you're one of the smartest black girls at the school. But I wish I had realized sooner that like you aren't just a smart black girl. Like you are smart and you are intelligent. And you are capable of anything you put your mind to. And that's something that I've really had to learn over the years. There are so many things I've done in my life that I never even would have dreamt of doing. Competing in a pageant, going on Survivor. Never, none of those things ever crossed my mind as a kid. as something I was capable of doing. And not only capable of doing, but being successful. So I wish I would have just realized that sooner. That you are not an exceptional for someone of your race. You are exceptional, mm. and I don't think I realized that until much, much later.
0: I think that that is so um, brilliant and profound, and we—I don't think we realize how damaging it is. Even sometimes we say like, "Oh, like she's a really she's really smart for a girl." Like the the assumption is that like girls aren't smart. So for this little bit of category of people, like you do well, but that's that's it. Uh, but just like taking away like the extra stuff and just letting people operate mm-hmm. who they are outside of like their labels is such a gift. Um, so yeah, I, that's definitely something to consider. And I think about it too, how, like now even in how I give compliments and how I talk about things, I saw something that was like, let's stop saying police brutality. They're not being brutal all the time. They're doing what they're allowed to do. Let's just talk about policing because then we can have a healthier conversation about what within policing needs to change and not change, not like separating the thing and putting it in a different category. Um,
1: yeah, wow.
0: So I, I think that that's a great point. I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful that you got on a podcast because um, I know my listeners are going to love hearing from you. I've been like telling you forever, like, I'm going to get you on the podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think this time last year we were sitting around a table and <laughs> skiing. <laughs> no, I don't know when that was, but
0: <laughs> yeah, it, listen, all of 2020 has been a blur. So I think it it might've been last year. Time flies.
1: I, I don't know either, to be quite honest. Yeah. I don't know.
0: So if um, people want to catch up with you or follow you and all of your many incredible ventures, where can they find you?
1: I'm on Instagram mostly at Desi J. Williams, D-E-S-I J. Williams. Um, same thing on Twitter, although I'm not at all active on Twitter. And same thing on Facebook. If you go to facebook.com backslash Desi J. Williams, it'll take you to my page. So that's the best place to find me.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. And thank you, everyone, for listening.
1: Thanks. Adios.
0: Just be honest. 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 Just be real. Just be true. It's the only way to be free.